glad you're joining us today for RC Teacher Talk, a podcast focused on amplifying the educator's superpowers in Royce City ISD. Listen as Angela Arledge and Lisa Pogue chat with teachers. Happy Easter to our RC Teacher Talk audience. I'm Lisa Pogue here with my co-host Angela Arledge, bringing you another episode where we sit down with teachers and let them share all things education. It is hard to believe that we are nearing the end of the school year already, quickly approaching the Easter holiday. Angela, what do you all have planned for Easter? Well, it's funny because Easter looks very different now as a grown-up than it did back when I was younger. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I remember when I was younger, we always used to go over to my great-grandmother's house. She lived in Celeste, Texas, a very, very small town. I think it is growing, though, but still small. Um, And we would go over there and, of course, hunt Easter eggs and stuff. But one of the things that really stuck out in my mind Um, We always went to a little bitty church um, right across the street from our house, and um, we would always sing the same songs uh, that he lives, he lives, (laughs) that song. And one time when I was growing up and little, um, I had on an Easter bonnet, and I was standing up. My mom told me this story. I was standing up in the pew, and I was singing, and and I was messing with my Easter bonnet, and I had a strap underneath my chin to keep my bonnet on, <laughs> and I pulled it down and let it go, and it snapped my chin. <laughs> I can see where this might be going. <laughs> yeah. We were just talking about how loud I was right before we started this. Uh, you can only imagine what that small little church sounded like when that strap hit my chin. So one of the things I remember doing is going crawdad fishing, where you put a piece of bacon on the end of a string and you pull the crawdad out of the hole. And so we used to do that a lot down At there. Easter. Yeah, yes. That was your Easter day. Yes, that's what we did after we, we did Easter eggs. We had a creek uh, in our neighborhood, like, I mean, like a made creek because it was near a, I guess that's why they made it. I don't know, but there was a railroad tracks and then a big hill and then there was, but it had, in some parts had like, um, concrete and everything, but then it would flow down and it had big culverts and flow down. And that's where we would go crawdad fishing, you know, get our, get our string and our bacon and walk down to to the creek to go crawdad fishing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's so fun. But, uh, you know, since she passed away uh, and I've gotten married, one of the things that you have to do when you get married is, like, make those tough decisions because uh, my husband and I don't live, our families don't live in the same town. So we have to make those decisions about, you know, where we're going to go on holidays and stuff. So we always do Easter with his family and Thanksgiving with mine. And then the other holidays we split and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because his family kind of does bigger things on Easter since my my great-grandmother passed away and stuff. So we'll be headed to East Texas over Easter. What about you? Do you have any Easter traditions or things you do? Well, it's really different um, being uh, Easter, I guess, with, you know, having older kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really have any Easter egg hunt, so that's different. And even Easter's um, with my kids, because I had a ton of first cousins, and we always had Easter together and big Easter egg hunts and they would be at different parks, you know, just depending on where they reserved an area because you'd have to have an area reserved. And um, when my kids were younger, we did still have some of those get togethers and have the big Easter egg hunts, but our family has just gotten 
you know, like my cousins now have grandkids, have even great grandkids. So they have their whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the things we've always done as my family is we do go to church um, and we'll still go to um, Easter dinner somewhere or cook. It just kind of depends. It's kind of easier now that my kids are older for us to just make it another time to have a nice restaurant. So I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, one of the things I really like to do anytime there's a holiday and we're off school is, you know, to sit down with a good book. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of why I really like the question of the month, which is what's the best book? We're asking people what's the best book that they've read in a while. So, Angela, what's the best book you've read recently? Well, I do have to admit, um, and and I know that we've talked before in in our podcast of, you know, trying to be in the moment and stuff, but unfortunately, I am not a huge reader, but I love to listen to audio books, and here we go with the multitasking, but I just, (laughs) it's hard for me sometimes to just be able to sit down and dedicate time to just a book, so um, like I'll, I'll listen to audiobooks like in the morning while I'm getting ready or in the car while driving, you know, different yeah. things like that. So my favorite audiobook that I have listened to um, recently is Where the Crawdads Sing. And it's a great book. It is so good. I didn't listen good. to it on audio, but I read it. It's Loved really it. good. Yeah. We, we actually ended up listening to it one time when we were driving to Marshall. So it was like about a two and a half hour drive. And then my husband and I got so wrapped up in it. It was funny that night for, before bed, we just literally laid in bed and like had all the lights <laughs> off and just listened to the audio book. Yeah. And we just couldn't stop it. It was so good. Loved it. Um, I also love the like sappy romance. I'm I'm that kind of girl. Yeah. Um, but I love any type of books with a twist. So whether that be a romance novel or um, or a mystery or whatever. So like some of my favorites are Nicholas Sparks because yeah. you never really know how his are going to end. Mm-hmm. So I like him. Jody Jody Picot. I think that's how you say it. Picot. Her books are like that too. A lot of times. She has oh. A, she has a, she has a lot of times she has a twist, so good books. Well, then I'll have to check her out yeah. because I love those kinds. I'll spell it out for you because it doesn't look the way it sounds. I, <laughs> I just recently learned how to say it. But. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and my uh, stepmother-in-law actually got me hooked on some historical fiction books. Um, but I'll be honest, going back to it again, every book that I read, I love to have just a little bit of romance in there. So, um, I like Girls on the Line. That one was really good, but I'm in the middle of reading or listening to The Nightingale and I am really hooked and loving it and enjoying it. I've never it. heard of that book. Who's the so, author? Uh, Are you sure? I can't you know? remember off yeah. the top of my I'm not head. Good Kristen with is the first name, but I can't remember the last name. But it is really good so far. So I will have to let you know how that ends. <laughs> well, I completely understand though about not always have timing, having time to read, especially when you have little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one thing I didn't do as much of um, when my kids were growing up because I am the kind of reader that once I pick up a book, I will literally stay up all night long reading it. In fact, I actually did that um, over Christmas break. My husband came in at like three o'clock in the morning and I'd actually gone to the bathroom because I was trying to finish a book. Well, he didn't see me at the table, so he was coming from the other side of the house and he was like looking all over for me. I was like, <laughs> oh, no. I just went to go to the bathroom. Um, I'm trying to finish my book and he's like, okay. <laughs> but so I do like to sit down with a good book, but I have 
really also begun to listen to audiobooks because I can listen to them in the car mm-hmm. or while I'm cooking or while I'm, you know, cleaning house. Uh, so I have been able to get more books in that way. Um, it kind of depends on the author, though. I have mm-hmm. had some authors that I don't like as much. Reading them, not the author, the narrator. Depends on the narrator yeah. on, you know, if the book, the audiobook is good. So, um, but I do like them, and I've started the reading challenge on Goodreads where I challenge myself to read so many books. And if it wasn't for the audiobooks, I probably couldn't reach my goal. Right. But I do also read more books because of that. It, not just listening to them, but actually read them. So the best audiobook I've listened to recently is The 57 Bus. It is actually a true story of two... Ta- it's called The 57 Bus, A True Story of Two Teenagers and the Crime That Changed Them. It is really good. Um, I highly recommend it on audio. Um, it's probably just as good in, as in the book, but it was a really, um, really good. And if you like twists, I actually read this book. Um, the Wife Between Us was actually recommended by a teacher here, uh, Sheila Sarnasek, and she shared it with another teacher because I didn't have time to read it at the time and then got passed down to me and... It was definitely a book with twists, um, and I actually did read that one. It was really good. And then um, the book that I was staying up to 4 o'clock in the morning reading was A Time for Mercy by John Grisham, and it was the third um, in his books about Jake Brigantz. So because it was the movie from A Time to Kill, and Matthew McConaughey was the attorney, when I'm reading it, I can see Matthew, who's not hard to look at. Um, you know, as the characters, and it was uh, about a youth that was on trial, and those things always are interesting to me. Like, how do we decide how to charge a kid, and is it the kid's fault? And it was really interesting, and um, I did stay up till 4 o'clock in the morning to see what actually happened. And the night before that, I would actually fell asleep in my chair uh, trying to get to the point. So I have actually, now that my kids are gone, that's, or not gone, they're around, but um, (laughs) have had the chance to, you know, read more and I do enjoy that. But enough about reading. I could talk about books all day. I could talk about teaching reading all day, but we need to get on to our guests. So Angela, why don't you introduce our guest? All right. So our guest speaker today is Rebecca Crenshaw. And thank you, Rebecca, for meeting with us. Well, thank you for having me and happy new year. Yes, you too. And um, go ahead and tell us, uh, our listeners, a little bit about yourself, Rebecca. All right. Well, I'm from Roy City, and um, I'm fortunate to have met my husband in high school, and we're high school sweethearts. We have three kiddos, and our daughter is currently a senior, and our middle kiddo is John, and he's a freshman, and our youngest is here at Davis with me, and he's in fifth grade. So we, um, we live here in Roy City and we love it. We have so much family here. And um, before I got into teaching, I was a stay at home mom. And I, I was blessed to be able to do that for almost 10 years. And then um, I got into teaching a little later than most people, but um, almost 10 years. And I think this is my fourth year as the GT teacher here at Davis. Well, that's awesome. Did that's... you did you graduate from Roy City High School? I did. Uh-huh. Oh, yep. wow. Now, we like to ask, because we also interviewed another RCHS alum. So what was your graduating class size? Okay. I, if I remember correctly, it was just around 100 people. 
And my, <laughs> that was in 2000. And my husband graduated in 98. And I think he had 80 something in his graduating class. So. <laughs> it's so crazy how quickly that it's grown um, because we actually moved out here in 2000. So when you were graduating, uh, we moved out here and um, we, that's when my son was born. And so we didn't like really know people and, you know, it was just so much smaller and wow to think, I mean, do you know the size of your freshman's class? Uh, yes, I believe it's uh, 700. Yeah, it's a, it's over 700. Yeah, that, that blows my mind because <laughs> I remember when Maury City was just a little over a thousand people in population. So. <laughs> yeah, and so y'all probably didn't even have 700 people in your school when you came here, right? Oh, heavens, no. No, <laughs> <laughs> no our school, the high school that had just opened was uh, Weta Bailey Middle School, and we actually had some empty rooms that we couldn't fill. So it was wild. Wow, yeah. for sure. Definitely. Well, we that's exciting that y'all are, you know, RCHS alumni and that you're back here and still living here and giving, you know, to the district. So we love stories like that. So thank you so much for joining us today. And it, how cool that all your kids will also be RCHS alumni. <laughs> like, that's so fun. Yes. Yeah, we're super, we're super excited about that. And we wouldn't want it any other way. With Roy City is pretty special because of the people. And um, we wanted them to have that same experience. Yes. And I do like that, even though we're, we've grown tremendously, it, there's still, you know, some of those hometown, small town traditions and the small town feel to it. So Definitely. I would agree. It's a great place to be. Well, one thing that we started new this year is to add a question of the month. And I'm so excited that you picked one of my favorites. So we're asking um, our guests, what is the best book you've read recently? And what do you like about it? Okay, this book, um, I, I'm really drawn towards um, books that just have a chaotic nonsense about them that <laughs> make sense. And so we, uh, my son and I, my youngest and I, we're, we've been reading the Ichabog and we love it. <laughs> That's a book I haven't heard of. Yeah, it's um, J.K. Rowling and oh, it, okay. she recently made this um, and I, within the past, I don't know, three four years that I just got into it and um, the chapters are very short and that's good for little kiddos, you know, whose attention span might not be as mature as well as mine too. I need short, <laughs> short little chapters of books, but um, it's very nonsensical, uh, but it makes so much sense. And it's, it's the way my brain works that it, it's fun. And um, we've been, we've been enjoying reading that. Well, I'm going to have to add that to my Goodreads because I really do like JK Rowling and um, I like to read fun, you know, different stuff. So I'm going to have to definitely add that one. It sounds like one that Angela, you might want to read yeah. with your girls. Yeah. Yeah. I have three girls and my oldest is in fourth grade. So <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Now you got to play up the, um, how you think their accents would be. That, that makes it even more fun. <laughs> Get in the character a little bit. Huh? That's exactly right. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, um, one of the things that we wanted to do on this podcast is just recognize teachers and all the really wonderful things that they're doing. Um, and so the main question that we wanted to ask you today is, what is your teacher's superpower and what you feel like you do a really great job at? Wow, that's a... It's hard to brag on yourself, but take this time and tell us what you do best. I I would have to say that um, I have a lot of patience for children, and I feel like that that's helped me, and it's helped my relationship with children in that um, I, that lends itself to a lot of things, like listening to them and they're, uh, they tend to be nonsensical as well. So I feel like I get them, but, um, my, the patience for, I don't know, trying things and allow, uh, giving them time to create and to try out their ideas. And, um, I mean, not all of them are successful. So giving them some patience for failure and patience for growth after that. But um, I, I would have to say that and listening with patience, I think, comes listening. And I, I think my kids might say, well, I don't know that you have that with us. But with other people's children, it's possible that I extend more of that. <laughs> but um, I don't know. That's, that's what I would, I would say is just time and patience. Yeah. I like when, when you said patience with failure, because a lot of times that does take patience. And I know like, especially as a mom and, and as a teacher in education too, like they're obviously going to fail. We want them to fail, to be able to build that perseverance. Oh my goodness. I can't talk this morning. Um, and so just to be able to have the, the patience that it takes to, help them to learn from those failures is very important. I, I would agree because so often, um, especially with this little uh, area of kiddos that I get to serve, it's sometimes it can be intimidating, even as an adult to fail in front of your peers, but knowing that this is a safe space and um, area for them to explore those crazy ideas. And you know what? A lot of times they're right and it is successful. But then those times where, you know, you got egg on your face, hoping that it was working and now everybody <laughs> sees that it's failing. That's, um, that's a hard thing to, to feel comfortable enough doing. And I hope yes. that that's what I've extended to the children. And I agree with you. It's especially hard for the gifted and talented population as a former GT specialist, um, I just know how important it is for them to learn to fail because a lot of them, especially in school, um, have just been so, you know, so successful that they get so frustrated when they don't know something or can't know something or, you know, that they're having a hard time with it. You're right. And that um, for these kiddos, it comes naturally and quickly. So with um, these gifted and talented students, they need more time to be frustrated and more time to work through that, um, those emotions. They, they're very emotional. In, uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> My first year when I came, um, there was, before I came, there was uh, one GT specialist and, uh, well, there were two because one had became at Fort, but she taught 
the Scott teacher did Davis and Scott and, but the classes were just getting bigger. And so I remember them telling me it was going to be like a class of, I don't know, 18, I think. And, and I was like, Oh, that's fine. I've taught 22 before. And I had been out of the classroom for about three years, um, staying home with my kids and oh my gosh, 18 GT kids in one room is (laughs) (laughs) so that's when you know we had the very next year they got their own teacher at Davis because wow they were completely different um and I don't know if you've noticed this but I've noticed that a lot of the GT kids didn't like they didn't want to learn how to ride a bike or roller skate or anything like that because it was hard Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think that that um that a lot of it is practical purposes when um if a kiddo doesn't see the need for it then there's no buy-in especially with these gt kiddos and i've i found personally (laughs) personally when i'll ask them their high part of the day and their low part of the day so at the end of the day i say what's your high and low um there was i I will typically hear pe is their low so (laughs) riding their bike, doing those physical activities, because they work out mentally so hard during the day that, I mean, those, those physical activities aren't their favorite. That's very interesting. (laughs) I remember a parent conference I had um, with one of my GT students, and we talked about the whole bicycle thing. And I said, I'm going to ask you to make her learn how to ride her bike. And the mom was kind of shocked. And I, and so then when I explain the, you know, that they do a lot of times they don't want to do it because they're having to put forth more effort. It's not coming as easily as the yes. other things like they need to learn that perseverance and that sometimes we fall down and we have to get ourselves back up. Yes. I think the little girl was like in third grade at the time. And so the mom was like, Oh, I'd never really thought about it that way. And she thanked me and then made the younger daughter, it was a year Oh, yeah, I think they're just a year apart, maybe two. Um, she went ahead and had her, you know, learn to ride the bike. I said, it seems so simple, but it's something that they put off because you can't learn to ride a bike if you're not falling down first, you know? Yes, yes. And and again, it's the putting in the effort. And if it's something that is not natural, they're not naturally good at, it's, it's very frustrating for them. And then the attempt to want to try is just lost. Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, well, and that's such, you know, good advice for um, our teachers is to learn to listen and to give all our kids opportunity to struggle and fail and, you know, learn from it. So um, that's already great advice. But what would be your advice that you would give to fellow educators? Hmm. I, um, if I could give any advice, I would say, um, Make sure you drink your coffee in the morning. <laughs> sure. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would love, um, I would love if they felt okay to um, just allow the children to struggle a little bit. If they could give that wait time, because um, what, in my experience, when I've gone in to uh, thinking I'm helping with all good intentions. I think I'm helping, um, but rescuing a kiddo from a challenge, ha- I've just robbed them from success. So I would I would hope that they would give these kiddos a, a little bit more wait time to process these things, especially now um, 
whenever even adults, I mean, you look around at a restaurant, you can't wait for your food without getting on your phone. Uh, we're so used to instant feedback that that wait time is, is decreasing significantly. So um, just giving that time and space and patience to allow kids to face a challenge and instead of rescuing them with the answer or giving them a clues to the answer immediately, then just letting them kind of stew in it and see what they come up with because their, their responses might be a way better way to reach kids than what I'm supposed to be teaching. Absolutely. That's great advice. Yeah. And I think a lot of times educators can feel uncomfortable during those wait times. And like, even me, especially like I'm one that likes to fill the silence and fill the space um, because silence can be awkward, you know? Um, and so that's very important and great advice uh, for educators is to not to give that wait time and to not let that silence feel foreign or awkward. Right. And it, we want, we're here to help kids learn and give answers. And as fast as we can do that, that's great because we only have X number of hours in the day and it's all allotted for. So I, I understand the time crunch that we have too, but some of the greatest learning can occur in those times where the kiddos are really trying to, you know, fend for themselves almost. Right. Right. And that's really, you know, we talk a lot about being lifelong learners and we want our kids to be lifelong learners. But if we as the educator are giving them all the answers and expecting them to just, you know, memorize them or, or we're seeing ourselves as the only experts in the room, then we're really not teaching them how to be lifelong learners. What we really have turned into is more of an Alexa and <laughs> well, well, ask a question, they expect a specific response and they can keep moving on. Um, and some of my small groups that I've seen, I'll say, oh, where do you go when you have questions at home? Who do you ask? All that stuff. Um, I, I mean, Alexa, Alexa is who we ask. I ask Siri. I ask my phone. I ask, I don't ask my mom because she doesn't always know. So <laughs> we have an Alexa and there's one in every room. So Kids are, kids are growing up in a way different time. For so sure. true. So true. Like, you know, it was the stone ages when we had to go to the library and look something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm interested to hear your, your answer to this question because um, I believe you're going to bring a different perspective being in GT. Um, you're in... I like how you are able to use really a lot of innovation in your classroom. So what is your go-to technology tool that you like to use? My go-to technology tool that I like to use, um, it's pretty, I don't, there's so much you can do with, with Google Docs. And, and remember, I'm elementary, so yeah. a, lot, a lot of these skills um, on the computers and everything, I have to um, teach, uh, logging in how, without your clever badge. Um, how do you, where is, what does the enter button do? What is it, you know, and I, wait a second, this is touch screen? Now I have a keypad? So yes. there's a lot of skills involved. I would say um, with the iPads, iMovie, you can almost do anything with iMovie, but um, for for elementary, I would say that they're so it's it's almost backwards. They're so inundated and have 
um, so much technology at home that um, it's almost lost its luster at school. So we, we use it, but we don't use it constantly. So my kids in particular, they'll get on there to do the stock market game. They will get on there with a specific purpose. Um, they'll get on there to create um, things for our broadcast for the Davis News. Um, and those are typically Chatterpix or iMovie. But w when it's not, when it's not something, I don't know, this sounds backwards. I use it sparingly. Yeah, <laughs> that way it means know. more. It's, I don't think it's backwards at all because I think our kids have grown up with the idea that technology is, or, you know, like computers are entertainment. Right. And we have to teach them how they can be a tool. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. You know, like, when do we use this? When is it appropriate? Um, but technology doesn't always have to be um, a computer. So like sometimes your pencil is your technology. No. Right. So what first came to mind, and, and I guess I gave the response I thought everyone was looking for. <laughs> okay. Honestly, what I use and do the most in um, GT is uh, duct tape, cardboard, and scissors. And you can do almost anything, make almost anything. You could represent almost anything. You can, those hands-on ways of showing learning is, is the best best tool <laughs> cardboard yeah, yes um i have a disaster story i don't think we've talked about this or maybe we did on the podcast um from when i was a gt specialist they were all in the middle and you know how crazy it can be all these kids working on a project doing something with the cardboard and <laughs> um third grade student he's actually a senior now so i don't know your son might know him but um he was using a box cutter and cutting mm -hmm. his hand in the, it was in my first injury and, you know, blood everywhere. And um, so the kid, you know, I grabbed his hand, sent the kids out of the room, sent him to call someone. But it was one of those moments that despite the fact that it was chaotic and a kid got hurt, but it also, I was, it showed the relationship I had with the parent because, or the, you know, my parents, because they didn't freak out. Like they knew I wasn't intentionally giving right. them right. danger. And it, we kind of came a joke because his initials were BC. Um, and so he went by box cutter boy for a while. <laughs> I thought it was, you know, before cutting. So yeah. that was <laughs> yeah. what, that, what that sounds like is that you had to lay that foundation with the parent first. Yes. And so when you did that, then they understood your style of teaching and they were, they were okay. And they well, she's not malicious. So yeah, yeah. shouldn't let them just go crazy with box cutters. <laughs> but, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of cardboard, um, hot glue, duct tape. Yep. Yes. They need those opportunities to portray those things. So that, and that's definitely technology. And again, teaching them, when do I use what, you know? Yeah. Right. Because so often their mind goes to, all right, give me a computer. Now, what am I going to do? Well, that's the problem. You don't need a computer to show me what you're learning. That's you, no. So right. yeah. Or at the high school level, when they do a project, they want to go straight to Google Slides because yes. they've been using it for so long and it's easy. And I try to encourage the teachers and Angela does too. Let, let's get them using something different. You know, they're not going to always be using Google Slides in the professional world. What are some other things they can use to show their knowledge besides slides. I think that, and, and it doesn't, 
it doesn't cost, well, it doesn't cost me the money people would think for these students to create things out of what we would have considered trash. So about twice a year, I'll do an all call throughout Davis. Send me anything you were about to recycle. And that, I mean, you wouldn't believe, the, I guess you would believe the things yeah. that would be recycled that the children look at and think, now I can do this. I'm yeah. not <laughs> So I, even high schoolers, I think, would really benefit from having an alternative to, you know, now make Google Slides. <laughs> Just yeah. being presented with other things that that might have been the first time they were introduced to, you know, what can I do with these solo cups and a little bit of tape and a yeah. pizza box. One yes, man's sure. trash is another man's treasure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For sure. <laughs> Um, so goodness, as a GT specialist, I remember one of the things was, even though we're fortunate here at Roy City that there's other people that, you know, teach that, but you're the island on the campus and you see the same kids every year. So, you know, with a few in and out, but so it was different. It was a different experience. So who do you reach out to for new ideas? For new ideas, I generally, um, I generally tap the kiddos. They they know what, um, well, that's how I knew what Among Us was, my gosh, and I feel so old. Not, and that was a <laughs> Yes. So um, asking them, really, talking to the kids, because they're the ones that will tell you what they're interested in, what they're not interested in. Um, if I go ask someone else that's around my same age, they're going to say, what? Among who? Yes, we're among each other. I don't get what you're playing at. But um, they're, they're just as out of touch as I am until a student teaches me what I need to know. So <laughs> those things that are trendy, those that I didn't know what TikTok was, good heavens. But um, those, those things, and so they learn skills from those new things. I have a kiddo that was teaching me how to do something, and all right, now you're my new da-da-da-da-da, because this is the current you know, way that people communicate with you and you love it. And, you know, it's just a temperature check with the kiddos and they'll tell you. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, catering to their likes and interests help them to even learn more, you know, and put and gives that real world experience to them. Right. That's exactly right. And I, I, I say all that because I, I am, I do, you know, I'm here at Davis. I will say that there is not, uh, a day I couldn't go through the curriculum that we create um, without the other GT teachers. And yeah. what we do is um, is a group effort. So the robotics that I do here at Davis is the same that they're doing at the other campuses because we collaborate. And without, without their input and um, their collaboration and willing to help with any ridiculous question that I absolutely have. There's not an eye roll. There's not a, you know what I mean? Oh, it's Crenshaw again. No, they absolutely at the drop of a hat at any time. They're, they're my, they're my support system. That's great. That's great that you have that too. You, yeah, you know, yeah. you might not be on the same campus, but thank goodness you have each other just to bounce ideas off of and, and yes get yeah. some stuff going and nothing seems too ridiculous for them which is uh, i feel like they get me and i appreciate that 
yes, because sometimes the teachers on the campus might walk in the room and be like, what in the world? Right, right. <laughs> but I know that the other teachers get it and they get me. So it's, it's all yeah. good. <laughs> For sure. Well, that's awesome. So um, one of the uh, questions that we are asking our teachers is, uh, you know, we're, we're going through challenging times right now. Um, and so we just want to know, what is it that you do for your self-care and preventing burnout? Hmm. Preventing burnout and what I do for self-care. I, um, I like to think I'm crafty, but in a, like a good way. So... <laughs> Uh, I, I like to sew and I like to crochet and, um, I have, we've got some ducks and chickens and they really, they really do bring me great joy. And that probably shows, you know, that I'm older. I, I sit and watch the chickens and the ducks at home as I knit on my rocking chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like legit things like you, but, uh, really what helps um what helps me mostly during this time is after a day that we all go through at school which is which can change from day to day um going home and knowing the routine of home yeah. that helps greatly i know that after work i'm going to go home and i'm going to make a supper and the kids we're all going to sit around the supper table and we're all going to talk about our day and that that in and of itself, that consistency and knowing what I can expect when I go home, good or bad, we're all going to be together and um, we're all going to debrief about our day. And we, um, we have that time that is absolutely sacred to me. And that, that brings me great joy and fills my bucket enough to come back the next day and remember, you know what, I'm here for my kids at home but especially these other ones who were dealing with very similar stuff that I'm dealing with at school. They have their own versions of COVID that I don't realize. And so my, my purpose is just to bring a little bit of joy to them um, as much as I got last night around the supper table. That's really great. Um, and that is something that I want to challenge myself to this year. Um, you know, as we, embark on this new 2022 um, is just really focusing in on that special time of sitting down at the dinner table because so often we're just live such busy lives and um, forget that the importance of just pausing and debriefing at the end of the day with your loved ones. So great advice. We just want to thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today. And um, if there, if any of our listeners want to reach out um, and you know ask you any questions, maybe it's GT GT questions or whatever the case may be, where how could they go about doing that? Um, I I do email. I don't do social media or anything else. I'm pretty archaic in that in that fashion. But um, the email at Crenshaw R for Rebecca. Um, Crenshaw R at RCISD.org. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rebecca. I know your time is so valuable and precious. Um, you know, you've got a lot going on. So we have really enjoyed the interview with you today. And um, thanks for taking the time to meet with us. Yes. Well, thank y'all for having me. And I think it's awesome that y'all are doing this. <laughs> well, thank you. And we look forward for your podcast episode to drop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Y'all have a good day. You too. 
Angela, where can our guests find you in the Chrome Squad on social media? You can find us on Twitter at Chrome underscore squad and also at our website, www.connectedforlearning.org. And where can our listeners find you, Lisa? Well, I post out on Twitter, everything school related, at RCHS underscore Pogue, P-O-G-U-E. And we are also have a hashtag this year for our teachers. So it's hashtag Team RCHS. You can use that and hopefully find some neat things that are going on here at Roy City High School. Thanks for tuning in to RC Teacher Talk, a podcast for and about real teachers in the trenches. Hosted by Angela and Lisa, the Learning Technologies team at Roy City High School. If you're enjoying this podcast, subscribe, rate, and review us. Make sure to say nice things. Go Bulldogs!